Today we got something special in store because it's Father's Day. How many got your dad a tie or something like that? <laughs> yeah. um, I'm trying. I wish we. I wish Mom could have. If we had all the ties we got Dad in his lifetime, um, probably could make a quilt or two out of them now. But um, that was the thing. But anyways, I asked my dad and brother if they would sit in with me today and we just want to, I really just, here was my heart. I thought, I want to encourage dads because being a dad um, is is not easy. And sometimes I feel like in church, I don't mean this in a bad way, we kind of have some jokes around Father's Day and Mother's Day when it comes to church because we've noticed a trend that when it's Mother's Day, everybody's like, you got to take mama to church. And when it's Father's Day, it's like, you got to take dad to the lake. <laughs> and, I'm, and I try to figure out why that is. And then I realize that's because when you come to church on Mother's Day, you get this inspiring message about women, you are amazing and powerful and wonderful. And then if the dads come on Father's Day, it's like, okay, y'all got to shape up. And so I didn't want a y'all got to shape up message today. I wanted to, it's true to Josh. <laughs> I cracked Josh up. Anyways, um, it's true. And so I didn't want a y'all need to shape up message today. I wanted us to try to encourage some dads. And I thought my dad is one of the, he is the best dad that I know without a doubt. And then my brother um, is an incredible dad. And, uh, but even in that, they don't have it all together. And I'm, I'm the black sheep of the family, so you know I ain't got nothing together. Um, and so, but I wanted them to join me today. So guys, why don't you come on up and, um, yeah. And then before y'all sit down, yeah, welcome my dad and then Pastor Mark. You know Pastor Mark, but this is my dad. If you haven't met dad, this is my dad, Ron. And then, um, do you have a microphone? Oh, it's up here. Oh, but wait, get to, here, let's get to it. Come here, dad, Sarah, here. We're going to show, do y'all have those pictures? We're going to, I'm going to let you, uh, Let's see. Can you see those? Yeah. So tell us about this one. <laughs> tell us about that collar. <laughs> like, what, do you remember what year that was, or do we have to ask mom? Looks like about 83, 82. Is that on? on Mother's Day. Oh, it is on. Okay. One, two, one, two. They're, they're going to find it in a minute. So okay. it's about 82. That's on Mother's Day? On Mother's Day. That explains why we're dressed we, that way. We have, we, huh? Wait, Mom said Easter. Oh, it's Easter. Oh, we have Easter baskets. You missed oh, that Oh, there one. it is. Yeah. <laughs> cool. We had, we had different traditions in our family. Yeah, we, I'm different, glad you yeah. put props in there where we know where they are. Yeah, that was, that was Easter, and those collars are for real. All right, ne- what's the next one? Next picture. Okay, where's that one? That's Dog Patch. That's dog patch. You we're in that Arkansas. Yeah, we, I would just went in the blue, blue van, big blue van. Remember when we? Yeah, the big blue van. Yeah. Y'all can make sure you can hear him. All right. Um, I would just like to point out that I've always been accessorized, <laughs> and so I had the hat and the sunglasses. So uh, fashion's always been important to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right up there. I'm telling you. Yeah, right up there. Um, all right, next one. All right, what is that? Oh, that's Easter. No, okay. First of all, this is my question on the one on the left. Yeah. On the, and here, you gotta hold that closer. Okay. All right. The one on the left, you were always. I always remember you being happy, but you don't look happy in this picture. <laughs> that was probably the day after the night before. The day after. <laughs> <laughs> At some point. All right, and then Christmas. Of course. On the right. Christmas. I think, is that all we got? I think that's all. Or is there another one? Oh, okay. Oh, wait. Oh, the yeah. one, okay, one on the left. That's just three really handsome guys. The one yeah. on the right. We're camping at, 
at Dangerfield probably. Probably camping, yeah. And then um, there's a that's the, the blue van. Scout, the blue van, the mobile yeah, the scout. mobile scout and the blue van. And yeah. we have so many stories about the blue van and the mobile, and the mobile scout. Yeah. And the mobile scout. Yeah. And I guess we were probably packing up because usually we would pack everything and then mom would make sandwiches. And then we would load up in the van to head home. This is. I think that's when we went to uh, Indiana, wasn't it? Was that? No, because we didn't take the Mobile Scout to Indiana. Remember, no. we had the idea we went, that we, we were going to yeah. we were going to tent camp. We were going to tent. We're till we got back. Yeah, to that's Arkansas. a whole other story. Yeah. yeah, the tent. Yeah, the trip to Indiana. That's that's what. All right, <laughs> I think that's all we got. We don't have time for the story about the tent camping to <laughs> Indiana. We got okay. So here's the story. <laughs> so, because <laughs> now everybody's like, we want to know what the story was. Well, so Dad was a pastor. So dad was, um, he was a bivocational pastor, I man. He pastored a church, but he also worked full time in the oil field for a saltwater disposal company. And, um, and so we were in the denomination, the Assemblies of God, and they had a general council, which was every two years, every four years. So they had these different, you know, basically what we would call conferences inside the you know, inside the denomination. And so, um, so we decided to go to the general council. This is the Hoosier Dome. When there is Hoosier Dome in Indiana, but we did everything on the cheap, like, like we did, like we, frugal. we, we were frugal. frugal. That's what it, yeah, we were frugal. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, and so we got this idea that we would, well, let me back up. All of our vacations were mom's idea. <laughs> mom got this idea. That's probably the best way to say it. Mom was the idea generator and dad was the, we can make it happen guy. And so uh, mom got this idea. We'll just combine general council with family vacation. Yep. And so we'll drive up to general council and spend a week at general council. And then we'll just wander through the United States on our way home <laughs> to various locations and camp and, and go in and come and camp in tents and stay in a hotel in Indiana. Yep. And uh, it worked out pretty good. Uh, <laughs> We, we, Dad, uh, Dad's an optimist like yeah. me. We, uh, <laughs> we tent camped at, uh, wasn't it, Do it was Dolly World, wasn't it, in, in Tennessee? And we, and the, Did and we our, go to Dolly World on that? Dollywood. Dolly yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was. Dollywood, and, and our tent deal was right by the interstate highway. And so <laughs> it wasn't just a whole lot of sleep done that night. But we, we did good, you know, in the north. They don't have ants and mosquitoes and everything like we do. And so it was pretty cool. I mean, we stayed the night in Indiana, and then we went to Dollywood, and we stayed there, and it wasn't really bad. And we got to Arkansas. And, and things changed. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was great. I mean, we— This had, was coming home. Yeah, this was coming yeah, home. On our, yeah, yeah, we got to Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. and, we, and the, I mean, the state park was beautiful. In, uh, until the sun went until down. Until the sun went down. <laughs> and the mosquitoes, I think they were waiting until somebody turned out the lights. And they swarmed us, I'm telling you. They were like bats. I mean, <laughs> and mom was trying to cook something and fight mosquitoes. And I had already had the tent put up. And uh, it, it got worse and it was, it was warm. And... Uh, 
That was, that was hot. <laughs> it wasn't warm. No, we were sweating hot. and being eaten alive. <laughs> and so when we got through eating, I told him, I said, if y'all stuff everything up in that van, we'll go home. Yeah. We wasn't that far. And, so. Yeah, we were on our way home. My favorite part was, so in the van... Uh, Mark and I would sleep. It's a big conversion van. If y'all grew up in it, anybody grow up with a conversion van? Like there, might yeah, we have the yeah. conversion van chronicles. So we would sleep. I always slept in the floor between the captain seats because it was warm and you could hear the motor purr. That was always my. And Mark would sleep in the back. But I remember waking up in the middle of the night and Dad going, "There's not supposed to be red lights on interstate." <laughs> Exactly we didn't have, we didn't, listen, this was pre-MapQuest. If y'all remember MapQuest, we didn't have MapQuest. We had maps. There was no GP, no, there was no, oh, and I was telling somebody about the blue van the other day because we were like uh, redneck bougie. And um, because I don't remember what trip it was. It wasn't that trip. I think it was a trip before then when mom got the idea that, that we could wire up a TV in the blue van. <laughs> That's when we went to Eureka Springs. Yeah, Eureka Springs. Yeah. yeah. So we were we were going, and so literally it was this conversion van, and and uh, you put rabbit ears, rabbit ears on top <laughs> of the van. <laughs> the hardest thing was getting out there and turning the antenna going down the road. That was the. <laughs> we let you do that. Yeah, that was my job. Get this tinfoil up there on that. Um, it, it, but it was what was it? It worked though. It, worked. it was incredible. Like he he put rabbit ears on the back of the big blue van, and he would stretch them out, and then he ran a cable in and around and down to this little black and white TV. And yeah. of course, you had to change the channel about every thirty minutes because you went through. Went you know, through. it was went, not like you got. It wasn't like dog. Direct TV or something <laughs> like that. And so, um, anyways, a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Lot of we fun. could talk about vacations. Like the the Myrtle Beach is still, we were telling the kids about the oh, Myrtle. Yeah. We can't get yeah, it. We don't have enough time. We don't have yeah, enough time. The night from hell. Yeah, yeah. the <laughs> night from hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we won't. Nah, anyways, it, we survived. We, maybe second service. We can come yeah, over maybe Myrtle. second service. We'll get into that. But we were, uh, mom, it was mom's idea again. And she decided that Mark well, was going off to college, so she, we needed to take a, a last family hoorah. Yeah, she found a deal. It was a deal, man. It was a great deal. I mean, we got a condo on the beach <laughs> and golf every day. It, what? She's probably thinking, don't tell this story. Don't it's, tell this story. <laughs> because mom had just gone through, she had thyroid cancer, and they removed her thyroid. Yeah. And so they were trying to regulate her thyroid medication. And we decided to drive across country. <laughs> I don't do that. Yeah. And so coming back home in the middle of the night, we decided to drive all the way through, which I think I'd push for that because I had a girlfriend at the time and I was just dying to get back home. And somehow I talked the whole family into driving. So Mark and I were driving and mom and dad were in the back and it got dark and she got claustrophobic. And uh, yeah, we finally, about three, well, it was three o'clock in the morning, I think Mark was driving. I was navigating and... Uh, Mom's like, we're going to have to stop somewhere, and I'm hungry. And, like, the only thing we find at 3 o'clock in the morning, like, we were somewhere in the middle of Mississippi or Alabama, and it was like, we, there's a Taco Bell. I ain't eating tacos at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and so we stopped at a waffle shop, and Mom nearly killed somebody, and it was great. Yeah. And so... <laughs> well, they burn her toast. They burn her toast, and that was the last straw. 
And that was when Mark and I snuck out the back. We were just grateful that there were some stately officials with guns and badges having a midnight breakfast or whatever. Because I'm like, well, she won't kill them with the cops here. And so... Um, Anyways, yeah, all right. We're going to call this segment uh, Fatherly Advice. We're going to try to get to our actual agenda. None of that was planned. Uh, fatherly Advice. And so I thought this, this feels like Jimmy Fallon um, on this segment of Fatherly Advice. But I thought it'd be good because I thought of some things that I learned from Dad. But we also had my mom's dad was the, is probably the most quotable person in his pop. He had a bunch of them. And, and so... Real quick, what's like a few of your favorite pop quotes? I can't say that one, but uh, <laughs> there are some we can't. I mean, he, he told me when I started preaching, uh, he said, If you don't have a shell like a turtle, don't go into ministry. <laughs> I understand that now <clears throat> because a lot of things are fired at you that you're not ready for, but he was a man of great wisdom. Uh, you were talking about him telling build a fence around it. Yeah. <laughs> My, I, Marty uh, cued us up and said, try to remember some of the quotes that Pop used to say. Um, so the first one that popped in my mind was Pop, Pop and I were hauling hay, and we came out of his driveway and got behind somebody who wasn't in a hurry. Uh, he, he called them rubberneckers, you know, the... <laughs> which he was one. <laughs> ironically, was funny. Ironically, he was yeah. one. Which I am but, one. But we got behind. Like a, driver, but. I still use this to this day um, with my kids. But we got behind somebody who wasn't in a hurry, a rubbernecker, and he said, "Either crap or get off the pot." You know, like <laughs> uh, do your business and let's go. <laughs> or if you go to homestead, that was it. If you go to yeah. homestead, build a fence. He always said, "If you aim it, nothing. You'll hit it every time." Yeah. Even. Yeah, he, I, you know, one of my favorite ones was he said, if you don't have time to do it right, when will you have time to do it again? Yeah. Um, that was, he had, like, we have some really funny ones, but he really was, like, he was wise. And, um, yeah, I never forget that one, if you don't have time. And then uh, I ran into this one this last week because it ran into a situation, but I'm like, it, this was his. He said, some people just as soon walk 100 miles to hear a lie than drive across the street to hear the truth. Yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, he, he kind of had. Yeah, he said, if there was a nut within 50 miles of a Seminole God church, that's where they would go to church. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know that, I don't know that we should share all these. <laughs> exactly. Um, he said, there's idiots born every day, but some people use a whole lifetime to prove they're one. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to turn into a PR nightmare. Yeah. He did. He did say that there were. He said, "I'm convinced there are more crazy people walking around than they had locked up." Um, anyways, so we got to move on from that. Uh, what is um, Mark? What's your favorite dad? Like that wisdom from dad? You got anything? What's? Yeah, I think I told dad this morning. One of the things that he told me when I first started uh, working um, at Jackie Woods Oilfield Services. I remember I was real nervous about it because we, we hauled hay from the time we could walk almost. <laughs> but I never worked for anybody else other than, you know, family. And I remember going that summer to, uh, to the job, and Dad said, I'm just going to give you this piece of advice. Um, work hard, have a good attitude, and do the stuff that nobody else will do, and you'll always have a job. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, yeah, you know, um, 
if it was you, you or Pop one, probably both of you, because sometimes y'all said the same things. But it was uh, you have one thing to one thing to trade, one thing to sell, and that's your labor. So get the best price you can for it. And uh, yeah, we weren't from the the generation that went and got degrees, and so what we had was our labor. And so at every job that I went, when I got there, I made sure I knew what every job paid. And so my goal was to get to the highest paid job. And I learned what I had to learn and do what I had to do to get there. And it worked out for our generation. Uh, this generation, of course, they have degrees, and that's great. And we probably had the chance, but we, our generation was work hard so that you'll have a retirement. And uh, God give us a job. Uh, in fact, I got hired on my birthday a month before Mark was born uh, in the oil field. How many oil field people do we have? None. Good. Oh, there's one. But uh, uh, you working in the oil field. Well, I went to work for a service company, and I was fortunate enough to Worked there for 36 years before I retired. And so I have a pretty good retirement, which worked for my generation. But now generation, they have degrees, and they're able to do uh, more things quicker than what we did working for a lifetime to do. And I think that's, you know, I think one thing that I learned from you was there's just no substitute for hard work. Right. There's just no substitute, and that the world didn't owe you anything. No, and if, if, if I mean, if you get it, you earned it. Yeah, Every, like our like nobody really owes you anything. You right. get what you earn. You earn what you get, and and there's no substitute. Um, yeah, for hard work, and I, I, you know, I remember growing up, and you know, you worked in the oil field, um, and then pastored a church. Which to me, pastoring a church, I'm always, I'm just always. I was thinking about, I was always amazed at how, you know, how pastor in a church, and back then, you know, you had to do that weekends and nights, essentially, because you had to be at work, you know, Monday through Friday, and, so, and then every, every other weekend, every other weekend you had to, had to work. So, um, and then somehow you pastor the church and worked full time and somehow I like I was trying to I, I know you probably missed a game or two that we played but not many but not many like I couldn't really think of a time we played baseball obviously growing up and and then played basketball and football and all the sports and things and and I'm like I don't remember really dad and I'm like sitting here as a dad today I'm like how did how was he how were you ever where <laughs> well uh, somehow, somehow he got the omnipresence of God. Yeah. It was like he was, and then, you know, if we made a mistake, somehow he was there too. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know how you did that. Uh, well, when uh, we started having children, uh, when we had Mark, I didn't want to send them to uh, daycare or whatever or have our family to raise them. So I told Sue, I said, when we start having children, I want you to quit work. And I will, I will do the best I can to take care of what we needed. And at one time, I was, I was working four different jobs. But I still 
found time to be with family. Uh, and we made it. And uh, the extra jobs that we did was usually to buy Christmas or, or whatever to, to give the boys a good Christmas. But I, to me, it, it wasn't really hard because I wanted my boys to have things that I didn't have. And I wanted them to uh, wear clothes. Uh, Thank you for that. Yeah, well, I think well, the wear whole, clothes that's got holes in it. The knees. whole world uh, thanks you for the fact that uh, we wear clothes today. <laughs> and uh, so the only way to do that was that uh, we worked. And me growing up, you know, my dad taught me to work, and he taught me how to mechanic. He taught me how to build. And so when I went to a job, whatever it was, I had a knowledge of what to do. And so uh, I worked uh, as a mechanic during the evening when I wasn't working, and then I worked as a welder on weekends. And so, so I know how to weld. I know how to mechanic. I know how to build. And so, but you picked things up because to me, that was education. I was learning how to do things. And for the 50 years that we've been married and we've been living in our house for 50 years, there's a lot of things that I fix. Marty was talking about the fix it thing. There's a lot of things that I I could fix that I do. And it saves us money. I don't have to call a repairman. And it, saves us, it saves us money. <laughs> a lot we, of money. Yeah, because we still call that. Like I called him the other week. I had an issue with a car and I called him like, hey, <laughs> what do I need yeah. to do on this? But you know, one of the things that I think that you instilled in us, because I think you catch things, you know, because I was thinking about things that like dad, dad wisdom quotes. So like, um, don't sweat the small stuff. And then he'd say, it's all small. It's all small stuff. And but the one I, I ran into this the other day and I was talking to someone and this came up and they were talking about a decision that I made that was a hard decision. And, um, you know, why did you make that decision or whatever? And I said, because I was raised, you always do the right thing. It doesn't matter if it hurts you. You do the right thing. You do the right thing to your own pain. And if you give your word, it's your word. Your yeah. word is your bond. Well, and Pop, um, Pop's saying was you're only as good as your word. Yeah. And in that generation, I mean, he could go to the bank and borrow money and, and have no collateral. He'd just tell them, I'll pay you back. And they'd shake hands on it, and it was done. Of course, in, in our generation now, uh, you get stung when you do that. But to him, your word was your bond. You know, if he said it, and he always told me, he said, don't lie and always do what you say you're going to do. And he'd tell us that right always wins. Yeah. It always wins. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, uh, counseling with somebody, and I told him, I said, look, I said, the Bible works. And if the Bible is not working in your life, then something's wrong because the Bible works. You know, by, the Bible is the truth. And if it's not working in your life, then something's wrong somewhere. And I wasn't throwing punches. I'm just telling Maybe you are not aware of it, but you need to find out what's going on that's wrong and correct it so that the Bible will work in your life. Yeah. And that's the way we were taught. Uh, my dad, he'd always do the right thing. He said, he said, son, if you tell lies, 
then you have to remember what you said because the next person you tell this lie to, you probably change your words, you know, and before you know it, you get in a, a pickle because you've been telling lies. So just tell the truth. And another thing was the people that rather climb a tree and tell a lie than stand on the ground and tell the truth. And it, it is, it's the truth. But, and, and Papa was a big deal on te- integrity. He said, if you lose your influence, you've lost everything. And so be a man of integrity. If you did it wrong, tell them you did it wrong and apologize for it. Even our kids. You know, one of the hardest things probably parents uh, will, will face is telling their kids they're sorry. Yeah. You know, you don't want your kid to think, boy, I made a mistake. Why not? They know you're not perfect. They lived in the house with you. <laughs> and so if you, you're wrong, just tell them, okay, I'm wrong. I'm sorry, and I'll correct it, or I'll do the best I can. And as long as, you, and as, long as your children see you do that, then it's going to influence, influence their life to do the same thing. If they're wrong, admit you're wrong. Say you're sorry, and tell them you're going you're to correct it, and then correct it. Some people say, I'm sorry, and do the same thing over again. And so what's Papa saying? If you do the same thing over and over, you always get the same results or something like that. If you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you always got. And so. But I think that's, you know, one thing we, we learned was just, you know, you're going to mess up. Just take responsibility yeah, when you do. But we learned that from watching you and Mom, you know, because y'all would admit when you were wrong. And, um, and you know, as a, as a parent, you know, that was one thing. I don't know about you, but I've had plenty of times talking to my kids like, hey, dad was kind of wrong on this. Dad kind of screwed this one up. I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, I, I apologize. And, um, you know, I think sometimes we miss that as parents is that, you, you know, as dads, too. I think, I think you feel a lot of pressure as, you know, it's like we're compared to God. God is a father, so be a good dad. It's like, well, Lord, have mercy. He's like perfect, and I'm so not. And, um, but I think that you don't have to be perfect. I think you, you have to be present. There you go. And I think that's what I learned most was the fact that dad was just always around. He was just always around, not perfect, but always present. And, um, and that's kind of what I've done with my kids. Like I, the best I can, I watch Mark with Jackson and Kara, just that's available. Yeah. There's a quote that I wrote down that I've seen before that I've, it's, it's helped me. Maybe it'll help you dads. Um, it's from an author, not very well known, Frank Pittman. Um, but it says, fathering is not something perfect men do but something that perfects the man. And when you're, when you're talking about um, yeah, one, of, one of the notes that I'd made kind of in the vein of what we're talking about here with, with failing as a father, you know, sometimes and, and having to apologize, um, that isn't something typically or generally that parents do well um, with, with kids. And from my, my perspective, what I've seen in a lot of my circles, and that's something that mom and dad always uh, were consistent with in our lives that, that it helps. Because when you're a kid and you're always wrong, <laughs> you know, seemingly sometimes, um, it's nice occasionally, like when we had those conversations with mom and dad growing up where they'd say, hey, I'm sorry I reacted that way. 
and I shouldn't have. And I, I did that with Jackson. He, I think he was 13. I remember him. He got a little froggy one day, and he uh, smarted off to mama. And I was standing there. And he Which that was that would be a near death experience in our. I remember one time I was 15 years old and and I was feeling froggy and I don't remember what I said to mom, but dad appeared, and I thought this is how I die right now. This is we kind of had two rules: don't lie and respect your mama. Uh-huh. And yeah. uh, that was you know, but I remember I thought this is this is the end. This is how I go out right here. Yeah, when Jackson, and this is very unusual for him. If you know Jackson, you know that. Um, but it was just one of those days. And uh, he went, he said what he said, and he went to his room and slammed the door. And I was like, oh, no, we didn't. <laughs> and and I, I reacted out of anger. And I went in his room, and I slammed the door, and I got in his face. And about, I don't know, two or three sentences in, I realized, boy, you have screwed up. <laughs> and so I sat, I had him sit down. I took a deep breath, and, and I talked to him about it. Um, and I had to apologize, because um, that's one thing that um, we're all going to get wrong as parents, and especially we're talking to, to fathers today, but I, I just want to encourage you that we're all, we all make the mistakes. We all have the bad moments. Give yourself some grace, um, but, but share that grace with your kids. Sit down with them and tell them, hey, Dad messed up. Um, that wasn't my best moment. Let me let me tell you, you know what I should have done. And you know one of the things I hear Jimmy Evans say a lot on that subject is is he talks about unrelational discipline, um, where it's no, there's no relationship. It's just rules. Um, if you want to build broken adults, then do unrelational discipline on your kids, because you'll break them. Because law leads to death. It does. Um, And dads tend to struggle more with this than moms because we don't have the innate nurturing um, spirit kind of built in us. But but really think about those moments like I had with Jackson as opportunities. They're opportunities to to share the heart of the father with, with, with your son, with your daughter. And and allow them to see your humanity and at the same time the same time showing them your love and humility. Yeah, I think I learned, you know, from dad cuz you know, he was you were you were the dis- chief disciplinarian of our home. And you know, it, it, we knew if we crossed mom, it was going to end in a conversation with dad. And uh, wait, wait till your daddy gets home. Yeah, that's the most dreaded words in our house. Like, take me now, Jesus. Um, but I think I always think what was so good about it is I think what I learned, what I caught was help me understand what's going on. It wasn't like I'm here to punish you. I'm here to correct you, but I need to know what's going on inside. And I think with my kids, what it taught me is I don't look as much at, at actions as I do attitudes. I'm, I'm trying to check the attitude to see what's, you know, because you can have a, a bad attitude and still, you can have a passive aggressive, somewhat compliant with a bad attitude child and something's going on. And so I always looked at it like when my kids do something out of character, and I think I learned this from you, but when they do something that's out of character, and I've seen this with Mark and Elena and their kids too, it's kind of like, okay, that's out of character. So let me see what's going, yeah, instead of just jumping in there and punishing the child, you know, let me see what's going on with the child. 
Um, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, um, because it's talking about Luke and Luke, you know, Luke's 19 and, and so he's, you know, finished his first year of college and, and, uh, it's kind of a new world for us. And, and, but he still will text me like, Hey dad, can I go hang out with my friends this evening? You know? And somebody was like, wow, he's 19. He still asks you if he can just go hang out with his friends. And I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, he does. And I said, we were talking about it, and I said, you know, I'm at a stage now where I have a lot of relational equity with my kids. And I said, but what I do now is, I, I said, instead of just saying, you know, really, Luke, you could have just texted me and said, hey, Dad, I'll be home about 11. You know, I've been fine. But instead of saying that, I'm like, you know, what I like is he texts me and I just say yes, because I'm at that place where it's like, if you can say yes more than no, you build equity. And so find ways to say yes to your kids. So when you need to say no, and find, you know, it's like the other night, um, Mariah and Luke were working at, or doing skits at Super Summer Night. So, you know, I went home and got Briggs, and I know Briggs loves breakfast food. And Briggs is my, my one that does not, talk, like Luke, I can sit down and talk with. Mariah, she will tell you her life story every day. <laughs> and, um, and so, but Briggs is so, like he's the quiet one. And so I've just learned, like, if I can ever get Briggs to go walk the dog with me or if I can take him to breakfast, I have a good chance because he loves pancakes. <laughs> I have a good chance of finding out what's going on in his life. And so, you know, I just look for those little opportunities. But I learned that, I think, you know, from Dags. I remember you taking days off and driving me to golf tournaments, you know, just yeah. to spend the day with me. Um, let, me ask, let me ask this question. Um, let me see. I had some questions. Um, no. What, what, do you, what do you think... <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Um, what do you think the What do you think the hardest thing about being a dad is? Probably being a good one. Uh, <laughs> nobody's born a dad. You know, nobody's born a husband. Uh, it takes work. Uh, uh, one of the hardest thing is to let your children be children. You know, our generation, this generation, it, it, it tries to speed up the process and have little boys and little girls about 10 years old wearing makeup and everything else. And uh, it's it taking them out of a natural process of them learning how to be a child. And they skip over it a lot of times when they're finding, uh, when they're adults, then they regret the fact that you stole their childhood. You never let them be a, we let our boys be boys. Of course, uh, sometimes you get, Firecrackers thrown in the fireplace, or uh, some things like that, or somebody taking a bath in the ashes left from the fireplace and walking out of the house with them when they were. Okay, who thinks that was Mark? (laughs) No one. (laughs) No one. (laughs) Who thinks that was me? Oh, yeah. And then you follow the prints, and it leaves on top of a chest of drawers. Uh, You just let kids be kids. And, uh, but the hardest, the hardest thing about being a dad, number one, is to, to learn that children aren't cookie cutter. I mean, we had Mark, and he liked to kill us when he was a baby because he couldn't eat and he wouldn't sleep. And so we were, he'd sleep about two hours and then he'd be up. And so we were taking on times during the, during the night uh, holding vigil with our son who would sleep as long as you held him and you put him in the bed and he would wake up and yeah, 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 and all that. So, and I then, just love spending time with you. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I'd just like to point out Mark was more high maintenance. Yeah, high maintenance. 
And then we had Marty, and Marty, when it's time to go to bed, he didn't care who was there. He was going to bed, and he going to sleep. We thought, man, you know. And then Mark was kind of laid back, and Marty is not. And so we had to figure that out. This is and, shocking to everyone here. Yeah. <laughs> Mark didn't care how it run. Marty wanted to find out how it run. And so he would play with it for a while, and then he would tear it apart to see how it ran. And a lot of times you couldn't get it back together. But it's just letting children be children and, and learn how to be a dad, learn how to be a good dad. And just like a husband, you had to work at being a husband. You had to work at being a dad. And our greatest example, of course, is father. And there's a lot of instruction you can get from reading how God reacted or how Jesus reacted uh, and apply it to your life and your children. Um, I think another question on down was, uh, it's, it's like um, God told David through Nathan in 2 Samuel. He said, I'm going to be his father and he's going to be my son. He's going to make mistakes and I'm going to correct him in the right way, but I will never, he'll never do anything that will keep me from loving him. Yeah. And, you under, and if your child understands that, uh, when you discipline, make sure they know that you love them. Yeah. I mean, talk to them before if you punish them or however you do it. Let them know why you're doing it and that you're doing it because you love them and you want them to grow up to be uh, great adults. In Dad, one time he was... Uh Dad, we had we had a belt at our house, um, <laughs> and we had a couple of paddles later on that were made out of cedar. Uh, old, was it old cedar was kept at the house, and the straight rule was at the church, or is it vice versa? But, I think the straight rule was at home. Straight rule was at home. Yeah, these paddles had names. Yeah, an old okay, cedar. There's no need calling CPS. We're grown, and we actually turned out okay, <laughs> and we don't feel scarred for and life. And there's four places in Scripture specifically where it talks about four places that kind of correction. Spare the rods, spoil the child. But, that was the, one the, way that that was the first Bible verse we learned. <laughs> Might have been. Yeah, before the 23rd Psalm, so now you need to spare the rod, spoil the child. I remember one, one time in particular, Dad, and, and he would always do this, and I remember Mom doing this a, a few times as well, but, but Dad, um, he sat down with me, and I don't remember what I did, but it, it was worthy of, of the punishment. And, uh, and he sat down beside me and said, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And I'm thinking, I doubt it. Um. But he would always explain, this is what the transgression was, and this is why I'm doing this because I love you, because we don't want to repeat this going forward. And it usually it'd be something like that. And I remember this particular occasion, I, I was in my early teens, I think, or maybe preteen, and Dad paddled me. And at this particular point in my life, um, I had nosebleeds oh, at the top of my head. I you are going to tell this story. <laughs> it's so bad. I, I had... Uh, literally, I could literally be sitting talking to people. My nose would start bleeding. And uh, Dad paddled me, and my nose simultaneously started pouring. <laughs> and you never seen such a, um, a concerned parent as you did in that moment because it went from punishment to, oh, my God, Mark. <laughs> I've killed my child. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
ultimately, I ended up having to have a procedure done to get that stopped. But, um, but uh, you know, with with my kids, I've always I've always done exactly that. Not made her nosebleeds, but I've always um, I've always tried my best. And Jackson can be my witness because he's sitting right there. Um, we we sit down, we talk about what it is, and and give an opportunity there for repentance from from. Um, knowledge, what, what you know, what that was, you know, what the transgression was, what what the the issue was, so that you know we you build a foundation of relationship, you know, within that. Yeah, I think what we learned is uh, punishment is about recompense, correction is about adjustment, and so you know I, I never felt punished as a child. I felt corrected. Um, because of that, because there was never a punishment about what you did. It was, hey, we've got to make a, a correction here. You know, it's like I, I would tell my kids, and I would say, you know, Luke in particular, I would say, you know, my job is to train you now because sooner or later, in fact, I gave him an analogy of a rope. And I said, what kids want, especially when they turn into teenagers, what kids want is freedom. What parents need to teach is responsibility because freedom without responsibility is always going to be a train wreck. And responsibility without freedom is going to create rebellion. And so with Luke, you know, and, and now I'll do this with the other two, but, um, but I likened it to a rope. And I said, you know, when you're responsible, I can give you more rope, more freedom. And I said, my goal is to train you so that when you're 18, I can hand you the rope and feel confident that you can manage your freedom. And I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, you know, of course he's 19 now, but at his 18th birthday, I had a rope. And uh, we did a, did a thing where I said, I explained this to all of his friends, had a big party, I explained this to all of his friends, and I said, I'm really proud because I can hand you this rope and I know you can manage your own freedom. And he still manages his, his own, like I said, he's, you know, he's 19, he's still a dad, can I go grab dinner with friends? Yeah, sure, bud, go ahead, have fun. Um, dad, can you Venmo me, you know? <laughs> Tell me you're a dad without telling me you're a dad. <laughs> you have the Venmo app or the cash app, <laughs> you know? It's like, I feel like an ATM most days. But anyways, um, but... but it's, the, like, I, it's like that quote <laughs> I, I told you this morning, I heard from Steve Martin one time. Um, a father carries his pictures where his money used to be. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, but I think that, you know, that was that, that thing of saying, okay, I have to teach you to be responsible. And when you're irresponsible, that's where the training has to come in. Um, because when I hand you this rope and you go to college and I'm not there all the time and you have to make your own decisions, I want some confidence that knows that I... And so there were some times where he messed up, and I'm like, man, I really hate this, Luke, but I have to pull this rope in. Like, I really do. I hate it, but we, I'm going to have to take away some freedom because you didn't manage that well, you know? And I think ultimately that was what God did in the garden with Adam and Eve. I think that's why he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in there was, you know, you, you cannot... You, you can't teach responsibility without freedom, and you can't have freedom without choice, and you have to give kids the ability to become themselves you know it's like you said mark and i were very obviously very different um and and you know that that helped me to understand my kids are very different and you know the way that you know like with uh even the way that i correct them ha has to be adjusted per each kid um, because they're so different. And if I try to correct Briggs the same way I would correct Luke, it does not work at all. Um, 
but with all of it, the idea is this balance of freedom and responsibility. Like I, I want you, I've got it. I think sometimes, you know, in church, I've seen this not so done. I hate to say it. I think sometimes people are trying to wonder why church kids leave youth groups and then go crazy at college. Now, some of it is environment and some of it is choice. And so I'm not blaming it all on some system. But I think sometimes I look back and say, well, what I've seen over time is the kids that usually, and we have kids in our church who have left and gone to college and done really well, not gotten in trouble, not done stupid stuff. Um, but what I see when I look at those families is they were kind of taught this balance of responsibility and freedom. And, and I think that's what we were taught growing up. And, and so if you're looking for, like, if you're, you've got adolescents and, and teenagers, whatever, then if you'll try to figure out that balance of responsibility and freedom, um, I, I think you, you'll be ahead because you, ultimately you're training them to be, you know, Mark, Mark and I both, um, if we take a strengths finders, responsibility is always high. Like we, we were just right, you know, do the right thing, be responsible. And so, um, I don't know if there's anything you want to say there, but. Well, I think the only thing I would add is, um, with, you know, nowadays it's, it's, it's never been more important than it is now, you know, to, as a dad, especially to, to connect with your kids, you know, whether boys, girls, um, in your home because there's this cultural um, disconnect in so many homes um, with that key relationship um, across, you know, kind of across the board. And that's why I think we have such a, if you look at statistical information, I was looking at a survey recently about, um, um, you know, people leaving the church that um, the, the, the misconception or the lack of relationship with the father affects the relationship with the father. And our, our best work, dads, is to be highly involved. Um, as Marty was saying, this is something I've, I've done with Jackson as well, with the rope, that's relational parenting. Because every kid, I learned the same thing with both Jackson and Kara is with Jackson, I could be loud and I could be a little more direct with him. And that's what got his attention. But if I did that with Kara, it would crush her because she thought that she'd let me down. I mean, she just would wilt. And that was one of my first failures early on in my, in my fatherhood was trying to apply the same standards to both kids. And, and, and it changes so, like, you can never just say, okay, well, I got it down. Because as they navigate through the seasons of life, um, you have to adjust to that. Because early on, you're more the disciplinarian at times. You're more providing the structure, the foundation. As they get older, now Jackson's starting college this year. Our, our relationship now is more friendship than it's ever been. Because I've, I've built a relationship with him where I can trust him now. And I have to change with that. But the foundation is the relationship. And, and that's something, unfortunately, a lot of us dads struggle with. Um, and, and there's no shame. There's no condemnation. I mean, it's never too late. Yeah, I think, what do you think the hardest thing about being a dad is? The hardest thing about being a dad is being a dad. Uh, <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> you know, 
um, being a dad, you got to put everything you got in it. Your child. What, what you're doing is from the time that child is born until they leave your house, it's your responsibility to get them ready for what they're going to walk into. And so you build every year of their life as they mature. You, you don't change what you want them to see. You change how you relate it to them. And so you, you're, you got to put all yourself into being a dad as well as being a husband or whatever. You got to put your whole self into it. And you have a goal that, that when your child gets 18 or 19, that they are ready to take on the world. They are ready to go out into society and do what they do. Um, we had an advantage in the fact that we were Christians. We believed in God and we believed and we kept them in church. And that helped a lot because we uh, tried to help them to understand that God could speak to them too and that God could direct them. And if they told us, well, God, God told me this, then our confidence was that God told them that. Uh, like, uh, yeah, so, so good what you said there, because we were taught, you know, and I've even done this with my kids when, you know, I mean, Luke was like 11 or 12 one time and there was something going on. I said, Luke, why don't you go pr take your prayer journal, go pray, ask God what he's saying to you, write it down, come back, let's talk about it. And that solved the whole problem. I didn't have to do anything because when he came back, it's like, well, I felt like God really said this. Yeah. And, you know, that was something you, you know, you, you taught us. You instill that in them, and then you have confidence that when they get 18, I mean, sure, you, they'll always be your kids, just like Sue calls Marty and said, Marty, no matter how old you get, you're always going to be my baby. Uh, at some point, you want them to leave. <laughs> and, the grocery and start bill, their life the grocery their bill own. gets too high. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Failure to launch, uh, but they were they were never like that. They they were steadily working on their place in society, and of course they uh, were asking God to direct them, and so we had confidence in that too. And so when they got to be adults, and I mean, you let them go. And let them do their thing. They're going to make mistakes. But you did too, you know. And uh, they'll learn through their mistakes. Like here, that's one thing. Papa said, always learn always from your learn. mistakes. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's you know, not wasted. If you're wrong, you're wrong. And learn from yeah, your mistakes. Not, so this, talk, talk about this. It is true. And we don't have time. I would like to get into this. Because we didn't, we didn't understand there was an option about whether or not you went to church right. until we were uh, moved out of the house and out of college and off the payroll. And so as long as dad was paying anything, it's like, you think churches, of course, now Mark and I really started ministry when we we're 18, 19, 20, something like that, uh, both of us. But um, I, I, I don't want to get on that, but I just want to make the point, um, even in our rebellious teenage years, we had no idea there was an, we had no idea we had a vote on that. But I do want to say this, what, what about, because being a dad, we talk, it's not, it's not easy, it's difficult. And if you're out here, and, and I think dads, I know with me, Mark and I were talking about this, especially in the culture. You know, Luke came in the other day, and he had been talking with a friend, and this friend had a very difficult story 
And he's like, dad, I'm trying to figure out how to encourage this friend. And I, I wouldn't obviously divulge the story or whatever, but I was like, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> that is, and I'm sitting here, I'm a pastor. I'm 43 years old. And I'm sitting here thinking, Holy Spirit, I need some wisdom right now on how to, because he just wanted to help his friend. He's like, dad, I'm stuck. I want to help my friend. And I was like, I've never even thought about that um, because it was just that difficult of a situation. So growing up, I think we've talked about being present. We've talked about all these things. But I think talk about the fact that you don't ever feel really qualified to be a dad. Most of the time you don't feel like you're being a good job, doing a good job as a dad. I don't, this is the way I feel. Like most of the time I feel like I miss more than I hit and I fail more than I pass. And so what do you do with that? <laughs> 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 you pass it on to Mark. How do you feel that? <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you you know, obviously you, you did all the stuff we're talking about. You had to learn. Yeah. And, and, you know, and yes, you had, you had a good dad. Um, then you had pop who was a great influence. Um, but you had to learn. And there were obviously, I mean, we've talked about it, times feel like we didn't know what to do. And all, but I, I'm just saying, if you're a dad, dad's out there and they're overwhelmed, like what's the most important thing a dad could do right now? If they're like, I don't feel like I'm doing good at all. What, what yeah. could they do? I, I think the most important thing a dad could do is love without any reservation, unconditional love. But you have to depend on God. You have to depend on God. God will, God will help you, give you the wisdom that you don't have. Of course, I pray for wisdom every day, and I'm sure a lot of our dads do. Pray for wisdom every day. And then those times when you don't know what, then like you said, Holy Spirit, I need you right now. And because we are students of the Word, and because we allow the Holy Spirit to move in, in us, then it makes those difficult times easier because we know we're not alone and we can, we can have that one-on-one, that -on -one, uh, the answer that you yeah. need because God gives it to you. It's that uh, undisclosed wisdom. Yeah, I think that's good. Love. What about the best thing a dad can do, Mark? Huh? Uh, ask Mark the same question. Best thing a dad can oh. do. Yeah. I'm going to say, there's a lot of things, obviously, but I'm going to say serve your family. And you know, some of the people that you know, we grew up around, um, they meant well. But there was, especially kind of here in the Bible Belt, I'm not sure. I mean, this is my reference point. I'm very, very little of my life has lived outside of this, this bubble. But I feel like um, culturally, especially in super traditional church because that was where we kind of grew up um, there's a pretty significant streak of male chauvinism that shows up that says my family serves me and it's wrong and it's broke um, yes I'm responsible I'm the priest of the home I mean I answer to God for my family I hear God from my family, but if I was going to give a dad from my own journey, because I've had that backwards at times, in all honesty, after 23 years of marriage and two kids, um, adjust your attitude. Um, it isn't all about you. It has to be all about your family. 
And if you'll adjust that attitude to focusing on your responsibility, your God-given responsibility, and it's in this order, it's God, if you're married, we're talking about fathers today, it's God, it's your wife, and it's your kids. And if, if you will purpose every day in your heart to serve them, you'll never want for anything. But when you have it backwards, it lends to brokenness and it lends to dysfunction and it lends to, to children that don't have a right relationship with their earthly father, which translates into having a really difficult time relating to their heavenly father. I think that's, that's so good. Um, and I think, yeah, if you're a dad and, and you're like, man, I just want to be a good dad. I know that's how I feel. I feel like I mess up all the time, but I just want to be a good dad. But I think that's what growing up, that's what we saw. I think, you know, you know, was the fact that, you know, I taught my kids this, how does dad love you always and forever, no matter what. And Mariah and I ran into a situation recently and I kind of had to get to the bottom of what was going on. I could tell something had upset her, or was upsetting her, and I was trying to figure out what, and we got to the bottom of that situation and I gave her another phrase because I, I realized she, she needs some reassurance right now. And I said, Mariah, I want you to repeat after me. I have a place in my dad's heart that no one will ever get. And it just centered her, but it was that, how does dad love you always and forever, no matter what? Because that's what we felt like growing up. Dad's gonna love us no matter what we do. And then we watched our dad serve, always serve mom and always serve our family and always serve us. And so I think if you're a dad, if, you know, cause I know it's overwhelming and we got to wrap up, but I think if you'll, if you'll say, okay, can I love unconditionally? Can I serve my family? And then I'm going to say, just be there. Like be there. I, that's one thing I, dad was just always there. Not that he always knew exactly what to do or say, but he was just always there. And I've watched that with Mark and Jackson and Kara. Like he is always attentive, always available. And even me, <clears throat> I will straight up walk out of a meeting if one of my kids calls. Like they get, like especially at this season in our life, but like dad is going to be there. And if I have to work at night because they need me during the day, I'll just work at night. Um, because right now dad needs to be there. And so I think if you're a dad simplifying it, if you could just, man, let your kids know, I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to serve our family well, and I'm going to go first in serving. And then I'm just, I'm going to be present and you're not bothering me when you, when you need something from me. Um, I'm here for that. So, yeah, this connects to the, to that. Cause you'd mentioned, you know, if you have a nugget of advice that you want to share, you know, uh, one of the things that I've carried with me for a long time, um, and this is something that it's just truth. Um, but when you're, when you're looking at, especially like in our case, we have a boy and a girl in the home and they have different needs. Um, as a dad, um, and I read this a long time ago in a book called Wild at Heart uh, by, is it John Etheridge or it's Etheridge? Um, Eldridge, John Eldridge. Um, it was, because I like things simple. Like, you give me something simple, I can run with it all day long. And obviously, the first thing our kids need is love. Um, but primary needs, what kids need from their fathers, what a boy needs from his father is to know 
that he's got what it takes. That no matter what, he's going to succeed. And as a dad, if you can sow that message into your son, son, you've got what it takes. I remember growing up around Superman here that could fix anything. and do, see, Everybody loved dad. Like there wasn't a person we met that didn't love my dad. His two nat- two biological children, about eight thousand, literally that he's adopted along. Yeah, yeah he has a, he lots of adopted like, kids. Everybody, all of our friends stayed at our house because <laughs> mom could cook for it for days, and <laughs> yeah. and uh, and then they just you know liked our house and liked dad. And then you know when I mean when dad pastor church, I think half the kids were. And still to this day, still to this day, if you run into him, they they still pretty much call him dad. <laughs> yeah, um, but if you if you can get that settled, like what my son needs to hear from me every day in some way is you've got what it takes. I, I had a lot of insecurity growing up because I looked at my dad and all the things he was good at. It seemed like he just wasn't bad at anything. Um, and I thought, how am I going to measure up to that? And I had these thoughts as we grew up. I remember having them pervasively, but my dad would answer that question for me often in lots of different ways. He'd pull me into something. Let me show you this, buddy. Let me show you how to change the brakes on your car, <laughs> which I was awful at. <laughs> but, um, and then secondly, with, with your daughters, what they need to hear is that they're the, they're the most beautiful thing on this planet that they're valuable and that they're worthy of your affection, of your time. And if you can focus on those two things, if you have sons, daughters, maybe you have both like we do, that, that every, if you just sow that in their lives every single day for your sons, you've got what it takes. And for your daughters, you're lovely and you're valuable and you're worthy. It'll go so it'll go such a long way. Yeah, awesome. Why don't you stand? We're going to we're going to pray together. and Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Dad, for being, hanging out with us today. <laughs> um, let's pray if you're watching online. God, thank you so much today. I just want to pray for all of our dads. And God, I thank you for dads. And I thank you for all the dads that are in this room and the ones that are watching online and the ones maybe watch later in the day or next week or whenever. God, I just, I, I just pray today, God, that, that they would hear, God, not just that they're called and chosen and they have this incredible task, but God, that, that they're, they're capable and they're able. God, they were selected by you to be dads. And so, God, they can, they can love. And, and God, they can be present and they can serve. And um, God, I just pray that dads would be encouraged. It's, it's, an crazy, it's a crazy assignment. To, to be a dad. It's an honor, but it's just, it's a lot. But God, today I pray for all of our dads that they would feel encouraged and God, that they would feel strengthened and that they would hear God, that they are, they are chosen by you to be dads and they are called and they can do it. They're anointed today. God, I just thank you for this time. And uh, God, I thank you for this day. And God, I just pray your blessing on all of our families today, on all of our dads, just your blessing. Increase them more and more, them and their children, as your word says. God, we just thank you again for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. Yeah, you can give Jesus praise. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come.
we end all of our worship experiences with a time of prayer. And so if you need prayer, we would love for you to come. Everybody else, we say a big God bless you. We love you. If you're a dad, there's brats for pops and root beer floats outside. Uh, We love you. God bless you. We will see you next weekend.